Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome to the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. You join us for part two in our series where we challenge each of us to watch a famous uh, classic children's movie that none of us had seen. And so going straight over to Imran for the, yeah, for the big reveal, um, I believe. Sorry, (laughs) wait a minute. What are you revealing him? <laughs> He's revealing his. He knows that kind of boy. <laughs> He's revealing his critical opinion. His what now? Right. <laughs> <Not really. laughs> you know, yes, that, are... that's, that's where the humor is going to be in this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Get used to it. That's it. up. It's going to be a long ride. It's done. <laughs> so okay, to summarize, I, I we each pick three films, right, in our last episode, and. There only one is selected by the other two. So the three films I presented to you guys were original Jumanji, Adventures in Babysitting, and Labyrinth. And I was convinced it was going to be Labyrinth. You hope, which is what you, <laughs> you hope we were going to pick Labyrinth. I, I, I definitely hoped, but I still honestly <laughs> thought then, you were just going to say Labyrinth as the bus. <laughs> You threw me under under the uh, not the proverbial bus, the <laughs> literal bus. But in in fairness, I, I I I took the bullet with you as well. So I, you did. You watched it so as I well. I actually watched it as well. So, so yeah, just so weird. Just, babysitting. Just, hmm? just weird. Why why would you watch another children's film? <laughs> Uh, well, well, because I have the, I have the mental age of a twelve year old, so all of these films appeal to me massively. Uh, and I, I had a level of curiosity because I, I've I think I mentioned it in the last episode that I remember at the time seeing the cover and thinking, "Oh my god, this looks like another kind of Goonies kind of movie," um, and then getting duped by the false advertising. Uh, so I was just curious as to because I know I'd seen it, but I couldn't remember anything in it at all um so yeah i ended up watching it again just purely out of and also just to give some context to what imran was banging on about because we know he talks nonsense half the time anyway so we'll be able to correct his his missteps but i'm afraid i'm afraid um tj we don't care about your opinion it's all about <laughs> all about imran's opinion not yours savage <laughs> <laughs> So, Imran, so, okay, so, but yeah, Imran, right, so take, it through, take it through yeah, your experience. To, to, to summarize the film, for anyone that hadn't seen it, uh, a, a Adventures in Babysitting is a film about a teenage girl who is tasked with looking after her baby brother. Uh, she doesn't like the baby brother and wishes that the Goblin King will come and take the, take the baby away. I mean, Jack Kinnon was like, wait, it's not, it's not his baby, that's not a baby brother. What the fuck? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll with it. She wishes that the Goblin King will come and take him away. And he does. And then her, 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 her babysitting evening becomes a new adventure as she tries to get him back. David Bowie's portrayal as the baby brother. Oh, no. I, he's he's going to carry on. Gonna carry on. You, you, you're writing no, this for the whole I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Um, can, can I just say one thing about that? Um, yeah. As teenagers, well, at least me and TJ, anyway, because you haven't seen the film, but but we, we prayed to the Goblin King that the, the, the woman, the, the sister in Labyrinth would come and take us away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, yeah, which, uh, which uh, yeah, yeah, bit of a weird time. I'm not gonna say anything. Go I haven't seen the film, but, but I can totally relate. Gen- Mr. Jennifer Connolly, yes, I bow down, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, the actual premise for Adventures in Babysitting is that a teenage girl is tasked with the duty of babysitting. Uh, Do they have any adventures? And- they you wouldn't believe it, but they absolutely <laughs> do. <Yeah. laughs> They absolutely did. Uh, and yes, uh, she is basically uh, lured out of the house with the children and uh, an evening becomes a series of wacky, madcap and uh, insane adventures. 
<laughs> basically. And um, just to just to probe any further, what were just because I know you guys didn't have very positive reviews of it, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So when we spoke last time. I think Tej was like, no, I, I, you know, it's a bit of a thumbs down at that time. So yeah, I, I think a large part of that came from my annoyance of expecting one thing and then getting something right. not quite what I was after. And uh, right. and also bear in mind, I'm like 44 years old now. I'm trying to remember like, when did that film come out. Was it 80, 80, 87, 87. So yes, yeah, yeah. so I'm trying to remember a film that I watched, and I was like. <laughs> 11 or 12 so you know commando yeah so cut me some slack but um but and yeah of course but, yeah. dan what was your had you you had a thumbs down as well was that right um i or did you not remember i it don't or? i remember the cover i remember seeing it in the video shop i remember kind of being similar to tj in, in hoping that it was something akin to goonies and remembering it wasn't so I think I did watch it, but I can't. I, I couldn't remember a thing about it. Well, I, I, I when I selected it, yes, I expected Labyrinth, but when I selected this one, I still thought it would be a, a good eighties movie. I thought I'd still enjoy it, so I wasn't necessarily disappointed until you guys had sort of said, "No, it's a bit of a thumbs down." But I loved it. I thought it was excellent. Oh my like god! It's, it's, it doesn't like that. <laughs> no no totally like it's it doesn't rank at like ferris bueller level like classic classic 80s but for, i i really enjoyed it i will say no more like tej what did you think so well boy oh no um no i credit I, and I don't, I don't know if you picked up from what i said earlier when i said um i started i was had it on while i was doing some other stuff and then i ended up watching it properly yeah because i actually properly got into it and it was actually pretty good um it was it, it was it was silly over the top wacky but it wasn't like i don't know it was it was actually it wasn't too like i don't know it wasn't too uh too slapstick or too too much of anything it was just kind of yeah, it was it was just a, a fun little like bunch of mishaps yeah. that happened, and each one got crazy in the next, and things just kind of kept escalating. And but it was it was genuinely like pretty funny and quite quite heartwarming at times. And yeah, well, like you say, it wasn't any you know sort of classic John Hughes. We'll get to that in a minute. Hang on, but, hang on, um, hang on. You both have managed to say a hell of a lot without revealing anything about the plot. So give us the basics. Well, okay, so okay, so Elizabeth Shue is um, is 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 babysitting. Her, Ooh, her extremely brother. hot in that film, by the way. Just gonna just gonna throw that <laughs> in there. I forgot, I forgot about Elizabeth Shue. Like, oh, well, women are going to be tuning out. First, Jennifer, Elizabeth Shue, and, and our teenage eighties hormones going overkill again. Yeah, it's probably a bad subject. Well, yeah. So, yeah, but we you know we have to show respect for Ali with an eye, so that's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> so she is her boyfriend, played by Bradley Whitford from re- West Wing. Fame. Oh, that's it's where I, so yeah, cool. I recognised him. It's funny when, when, yeah. when she opened the door to the boyfriend, and this it, is it's a similar sort of thing. I had a similar sort of experience with Sixteen Candles, where you got like these people who are supposed to be high. We've spoken about this before in American teen mm. comedies or TV series. And they're supposed to be like these kids that are in high school, but you look at this dude and you're like, mate, you're 42 years old. You you, you, you're, you quit high school like 30 years ago. Get out. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. But yeah. But yeah, he <laughs> I loved like his, I loved his red, well, I loved his red, red Camaro. Exactly. I loved his, yeah. uh, his red Camaro with a <laughs> so cool license plate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. It's pretty, yeah, he's awesome. He was a really funny character in it. But he he blows uh, her off, basically. There's like an anniversary dinner that they have planned, and she's very excited about it. She's a bit besotted with him. So she ends up having to babysit uh, like a, a friend's uh, family, family friend, friend or neighbor yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so a, a little girl um, and an older brother, and then his best friend comes around, and they're about 15. Mm. The boys are 15. She's, I don't know, nine, the little yeah. girl something like that and um 
basically Elizabeth Shue's friend has run away from home and she calls her from a bus station, which is her adventures are hilarious. <laughs> they are so funny. She, uh, she's just this goofy kind of girl who's run away from home. And there's this no classic moment. She's just decided yeah, to run no, away from home. She hates her stepmother. Yeah, so. it was just... So funny, and is she? There's this hilarious moment where she's sleeping in a, at the bus station, and she puts her. Oh, she excuse me. She she puts her glasses down to rub her eyes, and this homeless woman sees glasses and goes, "Oh, nice!" So she takes the glasses and puts her sunglasses down, and then the girl, the goofy girl, puts the sunglasses on without realizing, and then screams, "I'm blind! <laughs> I'm blind!" Which sums up her adventures. They're hilarious. They're so funny. So Elizabeth, she calls Elizabeth. She's saying, "I'm stranded at this bus station." you have to come and save me. And she's like, I have the children. What do I do? So eventually she takes the children, the car breaks down, the the, yeah. <laughs> the mechanic comes to, he's taking her to the garage, but then he finds out that some guy is outside his wife's house. His wife's cheating having, on him. Yeah. His wife's cheating on him. Someone says, oh, the car's outside your house. So he drives there, beats the hell out of that Shoots guy. Shoots up the place. <laughs> shoots up the place then the kids all jump into another car that is currently being stolen at the time so that that guy drives to his the base where he's got to drop the car off then they're taken prisoner anyway it's a long list of of these kind of mishaps i really really enjoyed it i genuinely have to say my expectations were quite low it's completely ridiculous uh it's completely ridiculous even do you know what there's a scene where they are running from gangsters and they end up in the blues bar. Oh God! And they've actually. And do you know what? The fact that I like this scene is just weird. Like it was so ridiculous. They end up accidentally on stage in a blues bar with a band playing, and there's a big crowd. And then they're like, "Oh, sorry." They're, they go to leave, and the guy goes, "No one leaves until they sing the blues." So they have to sing a song. And normally, this is something just cringe factor, but. It was a really good scene where they've just create this song summarizing their night thus far in a blues song. And it was really funny. Yes. Like as, just as you describe all this right now, I, I guarantee yeah, you if, your opinion. No, no, I was gonna say as you describe this now, I guarantee if Daniel Swartz is filming fucking hate it. <laughs> well, you're not not one single thing you've said about it. nothing no that's the thing nothing i say will convince you of anything but i can genuinely say it is it is a really good i'm trying to i really i'm trying to think of what what to compare it to it's like a it's kind of a bit like a low rent uh weird science where like a Mm. bunch of stuff just happens and the things just escalate and escalate and escalate and get more ridiculous through the movie and then at the end, the guy gets the girl, or the girl gets the guy, or actually the girl gets another guy. But whatever, anyway. But yeah, it's <clears throat> so it's it's kind of like a low rent version of like a weird science or something like that. Similar to that sort of. It had that. It felt like it had that sort of, um, that sort of pacing or that sort of like chain of ridiculous events that lead on to another thing that lead on to another thing. Unless um, it's it. weird science yeah. is okay. It's not. I mean, when you say a low rent version of of. I love weird science, but hey, you know, that's just probably why I I probably like enjoyed this film. So, you know, it's funny, T, you mentioned that in terms of the the girl gets the guy kind of at the end. That was the weird. I watched the, so there is a scene in the middle of the movie where they're on the run and they're, you know, they're trying to get money to get the car and they meet this guy who instantly likes, um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Shue and gives them the money that they need to get the car. He's in it for minutes. He's in it for mere minutes. But at the end, the very last scene of the film, he turns up to the house stalker. with with an, an item. Stalker, absolutely. He turns up to the house with something that the kids forgot. And then after having literally spent five minutes together, they share the typical 80s end of the movie kiss. And it, you just watch it with like 2020 goggles and you're just like, what a completely ridiculous and unnecessary end to this film. Right. It was almost like the story was that you can only end a film with someone with the love interest. You have to have a love interest that had no relevance to the film or plot in any way, shape or form. Mate, if you, if you think that was bad, whew, 16 Candles, man. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> so, Imran, apart from Elizabeth Shue, uh, which you've covered, are there any other actors or actresses of note that you want to call out from this? 
absolutely there is a scene a teacher i'd be interested to know if you picked up who this was but there is a, the little girl the nine-year-old girl is her hero is thor she's yes. obsessed with thor she's obsessed with thor re- when they get the car did you see who it was i recognize the guys i can't remember so did i i recognize his face though. then it is the mechanic, the mechanic comes out, and he is, you know, designed to look in, in essence like like Hemsworth as yeah, Thor. Yeah, yeah. He has long blonde hair, very very good looking, very tall. He's wearing like a a t shirt, buff guy. That was Vincent D'Onofrio, Daredevil's Whoa. kingpin. Oh, I, I was wow. looking at this guy. I looked at his face, and I'm like, I know this guy. Like, oh who, who is it? And I, I was, and I'm like, oh my god, way younger, that's Vincent. Way slimmer. Way slimmer, way more hair. Well, like taller, he's totally worth well. like, Yeah, it was such a bizarre. Like honestly, Dan, I I, I implore you just to Google uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, um, Avengers right. and Babysitting. You won't believe it. Like it's so bizarre. Because I, I, I um, recognize his face, and I was like, oh, it must have been like a TV show I saw or something like that. And yeah. I couldn't think what it was, and I, you know, I, I actually completely forgot to look it up afterwards. But that's that's crazy. That was that was. Bizarre. I couldn't believe it. Did you? That was so. Yeah. Did you? Um. Did you catch the MCU credit uh, post credit scene before way before MCU? Oh shoot! No, I didn't. There's was a, there an MCU post credit scene after the credits? Um. I I, I stumbled on it on accident by accident because I was watching. Uh. Was watching on Disney Plus and I, I was scrolling through. And I don't actually. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because there's something I do on automatic pilot now because because I've been watching them TV films lately and I always check for uh, post credits. But um, yeah, I was just scrolling right to the end, and then I was like, oh, it's like just just a little thing come up, and I and I went back. All it is though, it's just a um, it goes back to you know um, when they go when they leave the guy on the outside the building and he's uh, after the oh, little yeah. girl's trying to get away from him, it just goes back to that yeah. again, and he's still hanging out outside the building calling for help. Wow! Do you know that was that was there's a scene, uh, Dan, where there's or from the gangsters that are chasing the kids throughout the halfway through the movie. There is one of the henchmen is sort of subtly trying to help the kids uh, however he can, and at the very very end of the film, um, one of the two boss henchmen, one two boss bad guys, is hanging is standing outside on a skyscraper ledge where he's stuck. And the henchman looks over and the guy looks at him and says, help. And he sort of smiles and goes, oh, he'll be fine out there for a bit. And then as he's taking the kids to help them, the big boss turns up and says, hey, get out of here. I'm going to kill these kids. And then this henchman punches the big bad guy in, in the face, knocks him out, and then goes, come on, kids. And they all go, yay. And I thought, no matter, no matter how this film ends, no matter what you think of anything, they are going to kill that man. Somebody's going to kill him. Like, oh, they are gonna kill. Like, there's no ending. Potentially, no what happens with they are they are gonna kill that guy. He's dead. I was gonna say potentially two people are dead because the guy hanging off the building. I'm pretty sure yeah. he died. And also, yeah, the guy that turned on his boss, he's definitely dead. He is so dead. Like they are gonna wait. The guy, well, he's gonna wake up and he's gonna kill this guy. Like, he was prepared to kill kids. Yeah. He's gonna yeah. kill this. Yeah, he's just gonna let you slide. God. Nope. Yeah, there was no happy ending for that guy. No matter how 80s they tried to project that scene, exactly. it's done. He's dead. Okay. Anyway, that's my review. Massive thumbs up. If you're an 80s fan... Okay, now, but out really of... Let, let's say out of 10, what's your score? Oh, a good... Um, a good 7, 8. A good... Uh, I'll, say, I'll give it an 8 because I, I enjoyed it. Because uh, my expectations were okay. very low. So DJ... Eight. Uh, I'd say a strong seven. Okay. Yeah, strong seven. Yeah, yeah. It was it was good. It was it was fun. Yeah, I I did, at no point during the movie was I thinking why am I watching this movie? <laughs> it's the yeah. best review yeah. ever. <laughs> I'm looking forward to know the moment you 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 next watch a movie where half of you like why am I why why am I watching this? What the fuck? I only sat down to eat my tea. Trust me. <laughs> I get a feeling that you're going to say that for 16 candles, but I don't want to jump ahead. I'm not sure. Um... Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's set it up. Let's set it up. So the three movies that TJ were choosing from were Porky. 
I wish I could remember Porky's the warning. Two, and I believe Porky's Two. Oh, sweet. <laughs> How the fuck did I end up with 16 Candles? Um, yeah, what were my three movies? Uh, 16 Candles. Oh, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was one. How to Train the Dragon. How to Train the Dragon. That was the other one. My God, your memories. It's it, mm. exquisite. And your notes from last week. Train the Dragon 1. Um, How to Train the Dragon 2. How to Train the Dragon 3. <laughs> there are three of us. There's a third, isn't there? Yeah, did you say train or drain? <laughs> That's a very, very that different film. Very right? wrong. No children should be watching that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, that's my turn. So you chose um, uh, 14, 16, 12 candles. Well, you guys chose we chose 16 candles, 16 candles well, we for chose, you. Yeah. So how did you get on with that one? Um, so, yeah. So, uh, 16 Candles, uh, it's your, it's a John Hughes movie, so classic coming of age, uh, story. Um, it's actually his, uh, directorial debut as well. So, um, boy, does it show. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, the story is told through the eyes of, a 16 year old Sam Baker played by Molly Ringwald. And, um, it's set primarily on the day of and the day after her birthday. Um, it's got uh, Martin, Michael Anthony Hall in it from Weird Science, uh, ironically. Um, and actually, uh, Molly Ringwald and Michael Anthony Hall were stalwarts on John Hughes's films, I think. They're both in Breakfast Club. Um, Michael Hall's in uh, Weird Science. Uh, I think one of them popped up in... Stand by. Um, what was the other one? Uh, Pretty in Pink, Maloon World was in uh, Pretty in Pink as well. Uh, was my client in Hall in Standby Me as well? I can't remember. But anyway, um, also popped up in the movie, a very young John Cusack uh, uh, was in there uh, playing some some geek dude. And, and also randomly his sister, Joan Cusack as well, playing, and she did have, didn't have any lines, she just kept on popping up as this strange character who had a neck brace on and kept on getting into accident. Um, <laughs> so I can sum up the premise of the film kind of in four main points. So um, premise one, Sam's, uh, Molly Ringwald's character, her, her parents uh, forget that it's their, ch- their child's 16th birthday. So she's very, very sad about that, obviously. Um, second one is Michael Anthony Hall's character uh, trying to have sex with Molly Ringwald's character in various inappropriate and pretty much borderline rapey ways. Um, third one, Molly Ringwald's character pining after the school hunk who's, who's actually going out with the, I guess, the uh, typical kind of prom queen, most popular girl in the school. So it's most popular guy in the school going at the most popular girl in the school. So yeah, so that's another running uh, thread throughout the film. Um, and the probably the fourth one is uh, School Hunk, uh, realising that the prom queen is in fact a vacuous leech and uh, realising that he actually wants a real relationship and wants to fall in love with somebody. And through a series of mishaps, eventually hooks up with Ringwald's character, and they live happily ever after. The end. Oh, oh. that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, well, okay, that on its own sounds terrible, but if you, you know, touch that with a light sprinkling of some underage drinking, some drink driving, some unlicensed driving, homophobia, marriage under the influence of drugs, racial stereotyping, multiple inappropriate verbal and physical granddad on granddaughter interactions, and a bit of date rape. So, yeah, that kind of just mixes up wow. a little bit and keeps it spicy. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So the granddad granddaughter thing is an interesting point. Like, what is that? Yeah. So <laughs> there's so much going on. Um, so, uh, okay. This, this is going to be a massive throwback to, uh, I think one of our first podcasts actually of the, did uh, they didn't know any better podcasts where we spoke about, you know, films set back in the eighties and, or back before, you know, people had a bit of a social conscience. Um, but yeah, you know, 
kind of the things that happened in movies back then being kind of unacceptable now and you know um i can i can very much watch a film like this and and you know not laugh off but go yeah that's that's a bit weird but i get it it was you know all the time that sort of behavior was you know wasn't wasn't so bad um it was and sorry not it wasn't so bad but it wasn't called out as much or it was it was seen as being acceptable in in invert commas um but yeah you know the the granddad and granddaughter thing there's just this weird scene where like the the, so uh ringwald's sister uh she's in a big family her sister is getting married the day after her uh 16th birthday and so they got family that comes to stay at the house with them grandma and granddad turn up um from both sides i'm not sure which uh, grandma and granddad this is but she, she's like oh hi how you doing like i haven't seen you guys in ages and the granddad's like oh come here and like just like gives her a hug but like not a not like a cutesy that's my granddaughter hug kind of like a gropey touchy-feely leering old man kind of hug and then the oh yeah and then the grandma is like i don't know like get off her Let, let's let's take a look at you and she like Makes her stand back and she goes, "Oh, look, she's getting her boobies." Oh. Like to the granddad, I was like, mm, "That's a bit weird." Even for the eighties, that's a bit fucking weird. Uh, so, yeah. And then there was, you know, there's a, there a couple other off comments that the granddad mentioned about her having sex or not having had sex or something like that. Anyway, that was a bit weird. Um, but yeah, you know, there's uh, there's a uh, there's um. A scene where there's, there's a huge uh, party at the at the school hunk. I forget the character's name. I should have probably written that down. Uh, at the school hunk, I'm going to call him his his house, and they just smash the shit out of this guy's house. Um, but it's like a bunch of school kids, shitloads drinking. Everyone's absolutely wasted. Um, and yeah, and then there's then it leads on to uh, his girlfriend who's a prom queen he's being shady the whole night because he's more interested in molly ringwald's character because he's like oh oh i'm gonna backtrack a little bit actually at the beginning of the film molly ringwald is they're in a classroom and she's filling out uh this questionnaire that a friend had passed to her on a bit of paper asking about you know have you ever done it with anyone and if you wanted if you were going to do it with someone who would you do it with and it's being passed between from her best friend to her and uh, she's filling, filling it out and goes, no, I've not done it with anyone. Uh, if you want to do it with anyone, who would you do it with? And she puts down the name of the school hunk, folds up a bit of paper, goes to drop it behind her, but her friend's fast asleep for some weird reason. And the school hunk picks up the paper and sees that his name, sees the questionnaire and it's like, oh, this chick wants to have sex with me. So that suddenly opens his eyes to this being the girl that he wants to fall in love with and have a proper relationship with and he's suddenly put off from his uh his prom queen girlfriend so yeah that was a another weird one so basically um, because he he was on yeah. a a complete promise of a shag he just decided <laughs> pretty much i mean i mean you could to be fair to be fair to him when he because again throughout the film there's occasions when he tries to talk to her and uh, and she gets super nervous and runs off <clears throat> or she tries to go to him and then some comedic slapstick thing happens and she she's not able to talk to him and then at the end of the film when they do eventually get to chat and um and hook up and stuff it is all kind of romantic and like oh you know uh, I, he wasn't like hey let's go and have sex now but yeah essentially that that was the that was the in for him to have his eyes opened up to Ringwall's character of him to go, hey, this is the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And then it gets into, uh, skip forward a little bit, so I'm jumping back and forth here, but at this big house party where all these kids are wasted, his prom queen girlfriend uh, gets absolutely smashed, like properly out of it. And um, <laughs> she's properly passed out and whatever and school hunk gets talking to michael anthony hall's character who throughout the who in the early parts of the film had been trying to get together with molly ringwald and she was completely uninterested school hunk gets chatting to michael anthony hall 
Michael Anthony Hall reveals to School Hunk, hey, she's really interested in you. And School Hunk's like, yeah, I'm really interested in her. Um, I need to go and find her. This is the morning after the party. So he's like, okay. The School Hunk goes, okay, so do me a favor. Can you look after the prom? My, my girlfriend, can you look after the prom queen? She's passed out. And he, <laughs> and Michael Anthony Hall's like, oh, what am I supposed to do with her? And the guys, the guy said something like, oh, oh, she's, she's, she's passed out comatose. You could violate her. She wouldn't, she wouldn't even know what was going on. So, like literally wow. something like that. And it was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, it got super, like that, that line alone was just like properly like, um, yeah, it, it was just really weird. That's it. I, so here's the line I wrote it down actually. He says, um, Jake, his name is Jake tells Ted that his girlfriend Caroline is in the bedroom right now, passed out cold. I could violate her 10 different ways if I wanted to. And then he encourages Ted to take to drive her home, saying she's so blitzed, she won't know the difference. Oh. Yeah, so oh, that, that was pretty dark. <laughs> that was pretty fucking dark. And then, like, Michael Anthony Hall takes the take, like, jumps into a car with the girl. The girl's like completely out of it. And uh, he drives around to his his geek mate's house, and like he gets pictures with the the passed out girl in his arms to boast to his other friends that hey, I got the prom queen girl. Um, and then the next morning they wake up and they're both like it's still in the car. Uh, like, did we do anything last night? And uh, Michael's Michael Anthony was like, uh, I think maybe I don't know. It's yeah. <laughs> It's very weird, but it was the eighties, so you know it was acceptable in the eighties. I guess, um, but yeah. So all of that stuff aside, <laughs> all of that madness aside, um, in terms of it, in terms of it as a just as a film, um, and oh, and there's also a very stereotypical uh, Asian character in there who is yeah that that was anyway um that just to, just to touch on that every time he makes an appearance on the camera they had something that they used to love to do in the 80s when you had an Asian character come on come on the screen um would be the you know the kind of gong sound and that, oh, no. that. Every, every single time he appeared on the camera that like there was that like, what was was he a student or he was a, like... he, was a, he was a he was an exchange student that was staying with uh, one of Mary Molly Ringwald's grandparents and he and he'd come with uh, with them to oh, the movie for some weird when you say Asian not so so more like Chinese or sorry yes Oriental sorry yeah uh, uh, Oriental yeah. <laughs> so yeah. bad God. yeah yeah it was great. Um, so, out, so, so outside of all of that stuff, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and just uh, just quickly sum up before I give my score. So, outside of all of that stuff, in terms of it, just as a film, um, I you could really tell that it was an early John Hughes movie because there were a lot of elements in it that he kind of uh, rehashed for later films, and it it wasn't as it wasn't as tight. It wasn't as coherent as you know, like a Breakfast Club. I think which was his next one, or Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which you know is is a classic, or, or any of like his as his films go. And it's funny, I was looking at like a list of his films, and and I guess it's the same for any director. As you go along, you get experience. Your stuff gets tighter, and it, you know it's it's it all get and it, theoretically it should get better. Um, but yeah, you can tell this is like his first directorial direct, directorial uh, movie. So it's kind of a bit all over the place and it feels a bit like it doesn't quite know what it's trying to, it's trying to do a lot of different things at the same time. And it's, the you know, his earlier stuff was like the National Lampoon stuff and there's some of that kind of crass slapstick, you know, humour in there, kind of Porky's kind of vibe as well. So, so yeah, it was, um, it was not great. But it wasn't a complete disaster. <laughs> Sam, just just one question. So even though they forget yes. her birthday, the sixteen candles are supposed yes. to be the candles on a birthday cake, yeah? Her... Yes. So 
so the reason why that comes about so they forget her birthday on her actual birthday and then the next day they realize now like, oh really sorry i can't believe you got we forgot your birthday yada 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 um eventually the the wedding happens and that's where the um marriage under the influence of drugs happens because her sister's super nervous or she's on a period i think they give her shitloads of Valium and she's pretty much passed out on the altar while the guy's getting married to her. I'm not even sure how that was legal, but anyway. Um, <laughs> she, um, the wedding's over and she walks out of church, everyone's left and the school hunk dude manages to find her at the wedding. And then that's when they actually properly have a conversation because they've not spoken at all throughout the whole film, bearing this in mind. Um, and... Then it cuts to, and she's like, and he says to her, oh, do you have to go to the reception? She goes, oh, yeah, I should do, but no, I'm not going to go. So they go off together, and uh, then it cuts to a scene with the two of them, I think, at her house or his house. And she, he's got her a candle. He's got, he's got a candle. He's got a cake uh, with 16 candles in it for her birthday. So there you go. It was all very romantic and, and pleasant, and there was definitely no underage sex or drug rape, date rape involved. <laughs> Drug rape. Well, um, so yes, uh, scores. I will give it a. Four. Wow. Uh, maybe four's a bit harsh. No, I'll give it a five. I'll give it a five. Because there are, there, like I say, there are some, there are some funny moments in there. There's. Um, there's, de- you know, it's definitely a John Hughes film. Um, I'm not marking it down because of everything else I spoke about. Um, I'm actually marking it purely as a film and comparing it to the other stuff that he's done, which I absolutely love. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love uh, Weird Science. Love Home Alone, obviously, and um, Breakfast Club's great as well. Um, but this just, yeah, this just reeks of this is one of your early films and you weren't quite sure what you were doing at that point so okay. so yeah H- had you no. seen it then again it, it's oh. possible that i i had it on in the background um while it was on tv or something like that but i can't i can't remember anything about it i yeah, go, go for it. Uh, i just remembered as well uh, Imran, are you aware that there is a remake of uh, Adventures in Babysitting? I saw something on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, there's a remake. Um, of it. Is it a remake or a show or something? It's, it's a remake. It's a 2016 remake. But I, I, I think wow, the cha- yeah, they changed they changed the premise because I kind of skipped through it just to kind of see if it was a like tape for tape, uh, shot for shot remake. But they've changed right. the premise. There's <laughs> yeah, didn't look good. So good that no one knows it exists oh, apart from. Apart from you when you're yeah. looking into it. There you go. So Dan, what were um, your three movies? Um God, I don't actually I know the one I watched, obviously. Well, well I can't remember the other two. I can tell you the well, toy. Oh uh, yeah. Prior. And um Pirate Herman. Oh, uh, okay. and his Herman's Adventures in Babysitting with the Goblin King. I don't think there was a goblin king Yeah, no, I was actually quite disappointed because I really wanted to watch uh, the Richard Pryor film, The Toy, because having seen quite a few Richard Pryor films and being a big fan of his, I never got to kind of experience that film, although it, it did sound pretty odd. Um, but yeah, so I watched The Princess Bride on both of your recommendations because I think you kind of both gave it glowing. No, no, no. I've never seen it. Oh, you? I just no. I I acquiesce to the fact that it's hailed as a classic, oh, and okay. it would probably be worth watching. So no, I'm intrigued to know what you. TJ, you quote, you definitely quoted from it. I swear. I've seen it like five million times. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's one of your favourites. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess it's very kind of classic uh, childhood storytelling in that. Uh, a grandpa uh, played by um, Peter Falks, aka uh, is it Poirot or Columbus? Columbo. <laughs> Colum- oh my god, Dad. Columbo. Columbo, yeah. dude. Poirot. <laughs> Columbus. <laughs> what? 
Not even that. That's wow. Just wow. Miss Marple. Yeah. Go on. I am joking. I do know he's. Um, okay. Right. Oh, God. You had me. Thank God. Okay. Oh God. I sat through God millions of those uh, <laughs> students. Um, yeah, and he he's almost trying desperately not to play it as Colombo, which is really funny. It, it, it's watching him try and play like kind of warm, friendly, kind of slightly wacky grandparent is quite good, but. The grandson is Fred Savage, uh, which I also found hilarious because the last time I saw Fred Savage in, in anything was Powers. Oh, right. I thought you were going to say yeah. the Deadpool Christmas uh, thing. Oh, he's in that as well, yes. He's, he's, right. he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's essentially in the same bed. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Okay, but but all I kept thinking was, Mole! <laughs> Molly, 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 Molly. But, um... So Peter Falk is telling uh, Fred Savage this story. Uh, Fred Savage doesn't want to hear a story, but then as soon as um, he starts reading it, he gets really into it, and it's really exciting. And it's a fairly kind of typical story about uh, Atreyu and the Luck Dragon, and they go on this really amazing mission. Oh, no, hang on. That's never ending story, sorry. Yeah, that's a much better film. Can we watch that now? No, anyway. um, But um, so it's basically uh, a stable boy played by Carrie Ewells. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Carrie uh, Elwes, isn't it? Carrie Elwes. Okay, Carrie Elwes and the, the rich kind of princess. It's played by Robin Wright, and I never, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything other than um, what's the one with Kevin Spacey, not the West Wing. House um, Cards. House of Cards. Yeah. So I think seeing her as that kind of powerful, you know, megalomaniac, egotistical power woman, and then seeing her as a princess <laughs> in, in this is quite, yeah, it, it kind of blew my mind. Um, she ends up getting married to a real arse head of a prince pre- called Prince Humperdinck. Great, <laughs> great name. Great name. As, as you do. And it pretty much unfolds that there's these three characters, uh, Vizini, Inigo Montoya, and Fezzik. Did you say all those names? It's just, it's just making me laugh. <laughs> it's... They're such brilliant names. Um, so Fezzik is Andre the Giant, and he's absolutely fantastic in this. I've never seen, uh, apart from, I know, I know wrestling involves a hell of a lot of acting, but I never remember Andre the Giant saying that much in the ring. But in this, he's just he's just fantastic um, as as a, as a giant. Uh, Vizini is played by Wallace Shawn, who, you know, who always plays the kind of squeaky little man. I think he's uh, the Grand Nagus in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so in uh, Young Sheldon. Um, and Mandy Patinkin, I get that right, uh, who is Inigo Montoya. Definitely not Antonio Banderas. Yeah, who I thought was in my mind because I've, Seen, seen bits of this movie before. I thought it was Antonio Banderas. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, Mandy, best known to me as Saul in Saul Berenson in um, Homeland, uh, one of my favourite act- actors of all time. So, they, they, they kidnap um, the Princess Bride. I can't remember why. I think they're, they're trying to extort money out of the prince and the kingdom. And eventually, uh, Wesley kind of rescues her, but he's dressed up pretending to be this kind of black pirate character. A dread pirate um, Roberts. That's it. Which none of that really makes much sense how he went from being um, a stable boy to the Dread Pirate Roberts. Um, and he eventually 
I think he, yeah, he foils all three of them. He has to fight all three of them. Yep. And this is all being done, you know, from a perspective of the grandparent who's telling the story. And every now and then Fred Savage interrupts and there's, there's bits of dialogue. Um, but in the end, um, the giant and Inigo Montoya kind of team up with, uh, what's his name? Wesley. Wesley. Yeah, Wesley, in order to get back, in order to rescue the Princess Bride. So they're enemies at the start, then they become um, then they become sort of friends and they, they, they have to fight the evil Prince Humperdinck and his men to get um, to get her back. And without going I don't know, too too much spoilers, um, they obviously manage it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much it. Also, yeah. I just realised something. I'm the only person that's seen all three of the films that we've... Uh... I just realised that as well, <laughs> <laughs> You've engineered it vastly. It's very worrying. It's but um, yeah, Inigo Montoya, he's got his um, revenge mission. So the whole thing that he, he wants to kill uh, the man who killed his father, uh, that he cut... Did he cut off his fingers in the? In the- uh, no, the, the the man who killed his father has uh, six fingers on one hand. Okay, so we don't know why he's got six fingers. It's just well, it's, that, it's that. a genetic mutation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Normally, how that kind of thing works. <laughs> no. So yeah, there's, there's a whole kind of revenge mission that he he's trying to find um, the guy who killed his father. Yeah, who also happens, happens to be the head of Prince Humperdinck's Royal Guard, etc, etc. So, I have to say, um, I thought it was one of, the, one of the best casts of any kind of classic children's film that I've ever seen. I love the fact that uh, Peter Cook plays a priest in it. Uh, and and oh, who, who was it? Oh, um, the really, the really, the, the biggest cameo, which I couldn't remember, but was fantastic, was Billy Crystal. Yeah, uh, with an amazing kind of face prosthetic, he plays Miracle Max, who kind of brings um, Wesley back to life at one point, so he can carry yeah. on his mission. And even even has Mel Smith in it. Yeah, as a as a sort of it's a really strong cast. Yeah, as he kind of plays like a, I don't know what you call him, like a hunchback. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a a, a lab assistant to um to what's the name to the man with six fingers, right? I think it was. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, he's like yeah, it's like a hunchback kind of um, dungeon uh, living person. That's a really shit description, sorry. <laughs> he lives in a dungeon and he looks and he's got a hunchback, I don't know. He's like, what, what's, what's Frankenstein's assistant? That's what I was trying to think of. Igor, that's Eagle, it. Igor, that's it. That's like, what I was, yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. Um, yeah, so I think it, it, it's really it's really well put together. It's, it's a Rob Reiner film. Um, it it's nicely paced. It's quite comic. It's well acted. There's there's not a lot you can't really love about. It. I mean, I think I I think my I don't know my ten year old or nine year old self would have loved that film if I'd seen it. Um, the the ending kind of peters out a bit. Uh, I remember almost sort of switching off a bit, but I think overall it was pretty good. I yeah, I'd, I'd give it a solid. Uh, seven out of ten. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It, <laughs> it, it interestingly, Carrie. How do you? Elwes. Elwes. Yeah, Elwes. Carrie Elwes. I think I thought he was fantastic, but um, you don't see him in much. Um, oh, now. since then. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's well, true. I think he was in. Was he in Stranger Things? Um, he was, he was the, the mayor. Yes, he was. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah. I think he's the mayor of, uh, is it Hawkins, the town? Yeah, I think so. 
Um, his first name's yeah. Ivan. Blimey. Uh, yeah, he was, he was uh, the Iceman equivalent in the Charlie Sheen Hot Shots movie as he well. He was brilliant in that. He was so good at that. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> that, that's a really good call. But and yeah, he, was in, he was in Saw? I guess he was. He's one of the police. Policeman. Yeah. No, probably the policeman. Or is he? Uh, no, he's a doctor. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so considering, you know, I guess that was an action lead, he hasn't really, he's kind of had small kind of cameos yeah, uh, as kind of fairly small roles, but I can't think of... Yeah, he's not he's really taken off as a leading man kind of thing, you mean? No, yeah, exactly. I, I would have thought he would be like a sort of, you know, Tom Cruise kind of equivalent, but... Um, he was oh, he was a billionaire boys club. He played Andy Warhol. I remember that. Okay. But yeah, um, but you know that aside, great cast. You know, really kind of classic story. Um, yeah, I'd give it seven out of, uh, seven out of ten, and um, yeah, kind of recommend it. Teach, how does that review stack up to yours? I mean, <clears throat> I, I think I have the benefit of nostalgia and having watched it when I was younger. Um, I think, like, Dad, Dad mentioned, you know, if he'd have watched it <clears throat> um, back when he was a kid, um, he would have enjoyed it. And I think that exponentially, I think, would have uh, increased his enjoyment of it now. Um, I, I rate it highly because... Um, there's a there's a you know again big nostalgic feel. Watched it when I was a kid, absolutely loved it, and still have massively fond memories of it now. Watched it a million times. Um, yeah, I just think it's and uh, you know like like Dan said, incredible cast for. I mean, I, I don't know the background of the film, like who was who was necessarily behind it or why it all or how it all kind of came about, but for you know a film that I don't know that it did anything particularly spectacular at the box office um you know i it it has an incredibly like strong cast for the time um and just see here yeah it, yeah it only made like 30 million at the box office so um i've just actually excited up i just remembered mm-hmm. i just looked this up because i had a feeling he was in this but i couldn't Picture it because you know you said he was it Hot Shots. He, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he's done a series of parody films, it, including the most memorable, a really good parody film. Actually, Hot Shots, to be fair, was good. Um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. He was the. Uh, oh yes. he was Robin yeah. Hood. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Fair, really good in that. So yeah, but mm. I guess I guess starring in parody films is probably not the the way he, he saw his career going. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but yeah, I think, and and also, I think you know, maybe the film ha- has one of those kind of uh, it's one of those cult movies that didn't necessarily do well at the box office, but you know, it's got um, fond memories for a lot of people and got a real strong cult following. Cult uh, following, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd I'd give it up up to like you know eight and a half, maybe a nine for me. Um, I watch it now and I find it just as funny. I don't feel as though it's aged too poorly. Um, yeah, I really think I it. think I think why I don't rate it as highly, apart mm. from the, the the kind of nostalgia, and I didn't didn't really remember mm. it or see it properly as a kid, is that. Um, you know, it, it's almost like a template film. There's mm. so much that that followed um, this film in the same, you know, in the same mould. It, it kind of set the foundations, which is, it, you know, probably means it, it deserves a higher mark than I've given it. But yeah, I guess it, I guess it's it, essentially it's, it's it's a it's kind of a spoof of the kind of fantasy genre, right? In in a not in, sorry not in uh, Robin Hood Men of Tights or top or Hot Shots kind of like that sort of extreme, but it it kind of it doesn't it kind of pokes fun at itself in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
Um, and it and it is and it is played particularly campy. Sorry, say again. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a self parody of fantasy storytelling. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's very self aware. Um, yeah. No, I, I yeah, I, I I rate it highly. And uh, again, I my score is definitely skewed through because of nostalgia. So, you know, I, I think it probably sits real score is probably sits somewhere between what did you give it? You gave it a seven, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think seven, eight, eight and a half probably sits somewhere between there. I, I would yeah. I I, th- I think you'd love it, Imran. I think you should go and go and look it up. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely love the yeah, I'd love the chance to uh to watch it at some point, yeah. It's just never sort of but yeah, I guess an opportunity has never presented itself, but I'd have to rectify that, yeah. See see it's funny because I think if I if I rewatched Neverending Story now, um, and gave it to someone who'd not seen Neverending Story, there's there's no way their arc would be higher than mine because I don't know that it ages that well. But I the nostalgia for me, you know, going to see that at the cinema, absolutely loved it. And I see, yeah, and I say, you know, that's, and I think that's. That's the, uh, and it's interesting doing doing this, uh, what we're doing in terms of watching classic movies or whatever that we haven't seen, uh, you know, as adults. I mean, maybe Adventure Babysitting aside, you know, we watched we watched <laughs> we watched a couple of films that are pretty well renowned or like cult classics or uh, are pretty well known, um, and I think are quite highly rate regarded. Um, and kind of watching them with a you know a fresh pair of twenty twenty eyes, um, or, or adult eyes as opposed to our our teen eyes, our kiddie eyes, um, kind of changes your your perspective on you know how well things have aged. Like you know, like I say, I don't think Princess Bride is as aged at all. And you watch Neverending Story, and you probably go, yeah, that's that's you know that's it's still as brilliant as it was the first time I watched it. And that's that. That's that nostalgia tint, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think I think the good thing is about Princess Bride is it, it's a classic format. As in, it's not it. There, there's not much actually set in the eighties, apart from you know a granddad telling a story in an eighties bedroom. That's the only thing that that would give it away that it's eighties because it's it's kind of like a a period story you know it, it's done in that format that that the rest of the, the actual story that's 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 filmed and told could be from any you know could could be told from in any era so it kind of makes it a little bit more timeless whereas i think uh things like never ending story well and uh 16 candles and adventures babysitting they're going to date badly because the, the actual content and the setting and what happens in them is clearly 110% 80s. Yeah. Also, <clears throat> Imran, did you spot the liberal um, dubbing of Adventures in yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Including the part where, uh, where uh, right at the very beginning, when the, the teenage boy calls, uh, the, so that, just for context, <clears throat> the old, the older brother and the young, the young girl are having an argument in their house, and the young girl's like a big uh, Thor fan. She's got pictures of Thor all over her bedroom and all sorts of stuff. And um, she's used her brother's uh, his clearer cell for to paint something or whatever it is. She used something of his, and he's pissed off. And he's like, "Oh, why are you why are you why are you drawing Thor all the time? You know, he's just he's he's a weirdo. He's he's really weird." And he's like, "No," and she's like, "No, he's not." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a homo." You're like, wait, what? <laughs> but they dubbed it to. Did they? Oh, sorry, they they dubbed it to him saying a weirdo, right? From homo. Oh, that was the. Okay, I think that's that what it was. was. Yeah, they right. they dubbed that from yeah, and then they also dubbed out a bunch of swearing later on as well. Yeah, asshole and f word. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I didn't realize. Just, and also, I didn't realize. Just to provide the context about that, we watched it on Disney Plus. So just to yes, yeah. that's, and that's that's why it was it was dumb. But I didn't actually realize that it was um, so liberally littered with uh, swear words until I was watching. It, I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. 
And most, of, most of them was okay, but then some of it was like, ooh, no, that doesn't make sense. I, I think there was one bit where the girl called another girl a, a bitch, in like she w- was calling her a bitch, but they changed it to witch. I know that was, yes, it, was, yes. it was in the gangs, the gang members. The gang, uh, yeah, the train, yeah, yeah. Man, tell this, tell this witch to shut up. Mm, not sure I he would say that. Said bitch the first time, and I was like, hang on, did they? Did they, did that slip through, but yeah. then they like, afterwards they, they said witch like five times. I was like, oh, okay, no, I missed it. But uh, yeah, I did think that one snuck through at one point. But um, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that film quite a lot, actually. I yeah, yeah so um, fun. yeah, unsurprising edits. Bearing in mind it was on Disney Plus, so yeah, mm, fair enough. Cool. So, yeah. Well, on that um, swearing dub bombshell. I think that pretty much wraps up our children's classics episode. Yeah. Unless anyone else wants to add anything more about the films that they watched. No, just as a format, I really enjoy this. And I think theming it like we've done this time would be a lot of fun. So to pick, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, a classic comedy, or <laughs> I shudder at the idea of horror uh, or uh, 90s action or, you know, whatever it is. I like the idea of theming it as a within a genre. I think that's a cool idea going forward. So I look forward to doing it again. Cool. Well, we could do it by, I think it would be quite interesting if we went a little bit more granular and, and just picked an actor, like we said. Mm, yeah, anything theme-wise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like John Candy's girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes you know you want to do it you want it all the all the the, the, the straight to vhs all of them all of them and the ones with dmx all of them just just watch all of them really hard to kill really hard to kill three uh death. One, definitely two, dead or <laughs> may or may not be dead <laughs> Killer punch. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Sorry, we're nothing <laughs> on. Right. Well, thanks to everyone for listening, and yeah, we'll be back soon. Come, my love, I'll tell you a tale of a boy and girl and their love story, and how he loved. Her oh so much And all the charms she did possess Now this did happen once upon a time When things were not so complex And how he worshipped the ground she walked And when he looked in her eyes He became obsessed My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the feelings I feel My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the feelings I feel It's as real as the feelings I feel Love was stronger than the power so dark A prince could have within his keeping His spells to weave and steal a heart Within her breast but only sleeping My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the I feel my love is like a storybook story, but it's as real as the feelings I feel. It's as real as the feelings I feel.
Sydney swooped her up just like in the books And on his stallion they rode away My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the feelings I feel My love is like a storybook story It's as real as the feelings I feel 